You're listening to the Fable 411 podcast produced by the City of Fable, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. I'm Gab McRoberts. And I'm Sherry Kropp. Our guests today are Chief Michael Hill and Deputy Chief Alvarez from the Fayetteville Fire Department. Thanks for joining us for the Fayetteville 411. Um, we're excited to have you both today uh, to talk about some of the great things that are happening within the fire department. Um, but before we dive into some of the accomplishments over the last year, let's just give a brief overview to our listeners about, um, you know, the number of personnel that you have, how many stations, uh, things like that. Ooh, good afternoon. Um, it's great to be here. Um, we are the sixth largest fire department in the state. We have 351 full-time employees. Um, We manage 17 independent fire stations throughout the city, Um, working um, three separate shifts, 24 hours each. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know y'all stay very, very busy. You have numerous calls. Um, Give us an approximate number of calls that you received over the last year, or how do you break that down into monthly or annually? We we do. Last year, 2021, we responded to over 26,000 calls, which wow. was up a little bit from 2020, but 2020 was kind of an anomaly with with some of the COVID challenges that have impacted our, our call volume. Um, by and large, our um, biggest call distribution is for EMS calls. About 70% of our calls are EMS or, or medical um, in nature. And part of what surprises um, most um, people is our fire calls only represent a little less than 3% of total calls for service. And, and you guys stay really busy. I'm always impressed. And uh, I see some of the numbers of you guys coming back in on, like, your call response times and everything. And, and you guys are, like, I think we were talking about before the show, Sherry's asked you guys, why are you always first <laughs> to a call? Uh, how are you guys able to always be first onto that call? And I thought that was interesting what you had to say. So tell me a little bit about that. It, it is. We'll, we'll start off with it. It's, it's actually it's a team response, you know. Um, dispatchers or telecommunicators are the first line of, of our service. When we measure response times, we measure what total response time. Um, so from the time someone calls 911, the call is processed to the communication center, and then it's relayed to us. Um, we actually use um, automatic vehicle locators, which is GPS technology, to um, premise our dispatches from. So you're truly getting the closest unit that's, that's recommended based on their geo proximity at the time. So we're measuring the time it takes to, to process the call, um, the time it takes for our employees to react, to get, to get on a truck and respond. Um, we have standards, that's the expectation, 80 seconds that they're on the, on the road and moving. And then we have um, a standard of covered um, and deployment that we do. Um, where we have a goal or a benchmark of five minutes and 12 seconds of travel time we want to be on scene. Um, so from the time someone calls 911 to the time we get on the scene, we have a goal to be there within eight minutes. And um, for the last couple of years, we're hovering just over seven minutes that we actually get there. So you're beating your goal. We are. And that's always a good thing to hear because I know that's really important. And, you know, one of the things I know, I see your trucks out there. Um, and you guys look, always look great, professional. And you got it, some new logos coming out, too. I, I, I love the new patches you guys have with the uh, FFD. Tell me about that as well. Yeah, we, we took an opportunity as the city went through the um, community rebranding um, process. You know, we were some instruction, and we kind of want to get away from the Fayetteville script. Um, so we took advantage of, of that opportunity to say, hey, let's just develop our own patch in-house. The patch that we previously were wearing was first implemented in 1992. I mean, coincidentally, it's very similar to the um, Baltimore Fire Department patch. Um, if you remember, the movie Backdraft came out in 1991, so we've always um, been accused of copying their patch. Uh, Whether that happened or not, you know, we really don't know. But <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> but we took this opportunity to design our own patch. 
So we solicited input from from the troops from the stations, and um, several ideas came back in, and we just narrowed that down through um, department-wide surveys, you know, from multiple choices to to a couple of choices to two choices, and then finally the department picked the patch that they decided to wear. That's very classy. I, I like it's that the old, almost like a 1920s-style font type of look to it. There is some throwback to it. It's a really good story. We probably don't have time to cover it today, but um, a master firefighter, Randy Scoggins, is the one that developed a patch, and he wrote a storyline for each element of the patch to different colors, a different shape, different emblems on it, and what they represent um, to the department and to the city. That's pretty cool. And I know you guys also got a new station. Um, is it under construction or getting ready to, to be constructed off of Bragg Boulevard? We are fixing to start construction for Fire Station 4. It's a replacement for the station that's at uh, Stamper Road and Fort Bragg Road. That's across from uh, the YMCA, as I recall. Yes, sir. That, that's correct. And you got to remember that that current station was built in nine, 1960, which that was pretty much the peripheral edge of the city. Um, so we identified, you know, as as the city grew in and next further out on Bragg Boulevard, there's an area in Bonnie Dune, Johnson Street, um, Blanton Road area that we can't quite meet that travel time threshold that we talked about before. Um, so we knew we needed to move the station. Um, plus, the station built in 1960. Um, it's an antiquated station. Um, being that close to the intersection, having a back end presented a hazard to, to the public and to the personnel. And there's a lot of other components within the station that's lacking as, as compared to a modern day, day station. So we use this opportunity to re relocate the station um, to a position to provide um, better service to the community, plus it provides a much safer working environment for our firefighters. Because it's pretty close to a major intersection right there with Bragg and I believe uh, uh, Santa not, uh, Country Club right there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so it'll give you a much quicker response. It will. It, it will be a very, very busy station. That's the, the point where um, the district from Fire Station 6, Fire Station mm -hmm. 9, Fire Station 3 all come together at that one point. Um, so it does. It gives access to the bypass in and out of 295 and Bragg Boulevard. So it will be a very busy station once it's up and running. Now, I've seen the renderings of it. It's it's going to be a beautiful station. It is. It's, um, it's, it's very nice. And and the newest one before that, was that Station 12? It is. The, the last one we built was Station 12 on Hope Mills Road. And that's a nice one, too. All modernized. Very nice. So in addition to the new new logos, the new patches, the new fire department that's coming along, um, you've also obtained some new apparatus. Talk about that. We did. We've been very fortunate, very blessed with um, allocation appropriations coming from council within our apparatus. Um, I think it was last year or um, within last year's budget, there was three new pumpers um, that have been acquired, a new ladder truck, and have a new um, heavy rescue truck on order now. So these are multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. Um, some of the advantage, the ladder truck that um, we just um, acquired is, is a little bit different than what we've ever had in the past instead of being just a ladder um, there's a plat actually a platform um, on the end of it where firefighters can stand and work in effect rescues and it's also the ladder orientation is different than any other other truck we've ever had where it's, it's considered a bid mount which gives us a little more functionality a little better access for rescues one of the great things with the new pumpers that we have purchased and we begin purchasing is um they're very firefighter friendly uh, number one um we've actually um going against the grain and we're making our fire trucks a little bit smaller. Uh, it's easier on firefighters are not having to climb as, as high and reach over their head. Better ergonomics for loading hose and, and that kind of thing. And also we've implemented um, clean cab technology, uh, part of our cancer prevention initiatives. Um, 
allows us to keep, you know, all the dirty contaminated materials, carcinogens that come from fire away from the occupancy compartments of the fire department, firefighters. And I know that's been a big issue for the fire department over the last number of years is the cancer prevention. Because I, I, when I heard the, the statistic, and, I, and I'm sure you guys know this by heart, um, the number of firefighters, and, and I know we've lost several of our own firefighters. Share with me that statistic and then tell me about some of the other things that you have in place. Some of like the... Uh, was it the extricators or the stuff that you use to clean your turnout gear and everything like that? There is. We've, you know, it, it's, it's took a long time for the industry to, to actually catch up. Um, but cancer is becoming a leading um, cause of line of duty deaths for firefighters. Seventy percent of deaths last year will come from cancer. Firefighters are nine times more likely to deve- develop cancer and 14 times more likely to die from cancer. Um, and, th- and things are different. Um, actually, when we came along with the fire service, you know, having um, dirty turnout gear with smut, hanging off of it that was a badge of honor you know you've accomplished something and you you want to be that guy that was you know down in the ashes but we've learned that's killing us um so well, we've implemented a lot, a lot of new strategies within the department and number one and probably most important is education is, is pushing that message hey that's not cool anymore we need to keep the the carcinogens that you're exposed to a fire away from the body um We've went to um, council. Council's been very supportive of us. So we we now, um, about two or three years ago, um, we were able to issue two sets of turnout gear or protective clothing to firefighters. When in the past we've only had one, so now we have the ability to clean the gear. And you also you always have a clean set that's ready and available. Um, but one of the accomplishments in 2021 is we finished a project. We now have the gear extractors, um, which is heavy duty washing machines now at all of our fire stations. So we can immediately clean gear when we when we come back from uh, fires. Um, also, we've been very aggressive in our um, give annual physicals with cancer screenings for firefighters. Just that early detection to to um, hopefully you know mitigate some of the issues while, while they're still treatable. I think that's so important, and I think it's great what you guys are doing, especially with the new trucks too, where you can kind of put that dirty gear um, outside of the cab and not inside the cab with the firefighters. So, uh, and, and one other thing, I think it's you guys have been very, uh, I think one of the leading fire station departments in the state. You, you, with your class one, you ISO rating, and I think that's really important for the insurance standards organizations. Yeah, insurance services, services organization. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly correct. That's, that's a great testimony um, to the fire department and to the investment that the uh, community makes and the benefits they reap um, out of it. Um, we are an accredited organization when we do hold an ISO, ISO class one, which is the highest rating. Um, as of the report we run last week, there's 114 departments in the country that can claim that. So we're truly in the top half of 1% of departments in the nation with those wow. efforts. And, and and what's great about that that uh, that helps keep your insurance rates down as a as a homeowner in Fable because we do have such an effective fire uh, department that helps keep our rates rates low. It, it does. It does have an impact on residential rates, but probably more importantly, it has a, an impact on commercial properties. You know, that's one of the performance indicators that the businesses are looking at. If they're looking to invest in a community, that's one of the things they look at is what is the ISO rating for my investment. That's great. Cause I, I learn something new every day about that. I wanted to bring up the community engagement that uh, you you all are involved in. I know over the past couple of years, you guys have really been crunching it out on social media platforms. I think you've hired some, um, what do you call them, community educators, fire safety educators, uh, to come on board, and they're doing an awesome job. Talk about that. Uh, Yes, ma'am. We hired, uh, I think it was last year, Chief. Um, we brought on board uh, three firefighters to assist with um, spreading the good news about fire safety and not just fire safety, but all hazards related to our community. Um, with that said, um, this year, I'm happy to announce that 
Um, we'll be hosting our annual Cape Fear Emergency Response Team teen class. So that's our first academy class. It's uh, free for teenagers um, in high school. Our first class starts in June 13th. It goes for a week. Um, there's It's already full, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And uh, we have about 15 more spots open on the July 25th class. So if you're interested in attending, feel free to reach out to Kate Fearcert, C-E-R-T, at gmail.com. And uh, that's a, a way for them to kind of get a little bit of hands-on experience um, and maybe pique their interest to apply for a position. Yes, ma'am. We often get the question, what does CERT do? What does mm-hmm. it stand for? So com- the Community Emergency Response Team, CERT, um, is a national program of volunteers trained in disaster preparedness and emergency response. Volunteers come from all ages and walks of life, including teenagers. So for these two camps, we're concentrating on the teenagers to help make an impact in the community in which they live and in their schools, which they attend. So um, the teens could help organize volunteers, assist evacuations, give assistance to survivors, provide damage assessment information, shelter support, and et cetera. That's great. Um, and we've got probably about 30 seconds left, but real quick, I wanted to talk about uh, recruitment efforts. If someone is interested in applying um, to work for the fire department, what's the process that they would need to go through for that? Well, we, we do a recruitment exercise every year in January is when we take applications. In the interim, um, the, the most effective um, way to get in touch with us is to go to our website, um, go to the recruitment section, and you have an opportunity to fill out an interest card. Once you fill out that interest card, it goes to, to Captain Shakes after our recruiter, and he'll reach back out with you and guide you through the process and help you with some tools and you know the trade along the way as we're rostering up for the for the next academies, to, again, when we take applications in January. Right, and there's so many different um, fields that you can go into with the fire department, administrative, um, public information, um, and then you have like a hazmat and then a rescue team, just so many, a, a variety of positions. What is the website where they can, uh, someone, if they're interested in anything about the fire department, how can they get more information? Well, you can go to the City of Fable website and um, find, uh, you know, our tab off that, or you can just simply Google BraveTheFire.com, and that'll carry you straight to us. BraveTheFire.com or FayettevilleNC.gov slash fire. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on. It's been a great show. I, I learned a, uh, a lot of new things. I think I know a lot about you guys, but every time you come on, I learn a little bit more. So thank you so much for coming and joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Fable 411. The Fable 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fable, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fable. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fable on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as Google Play Podcast Portal. And now we're available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fable has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all of our video content by visiting FayTV.net. And to get information about city services, go to our webpage at FayettevilleNC.gov. Thanks for joining us.